Hi, everybody. That's Stefan Tager. <laughs> That's Dave Butler. <laughs> this is Revival. I felt bad. My name was always first, even though alphabetically. Both on both first and last name. Oh, yeah. Name's True. So I don't feel bad anymore. I'm Dave Butler. <laughs> I will always be first in mentioning this. This is the Revival Podcast. We're so happy that you are along with us as we talk about things of faith. Our goal is to feel revived after every episode, to feel some good news and to just talk about what it looks like to be people of faith and the challenges with it and the thrills of it. We're kind of picking our topics based off of questions that people are asking. And when we at, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll open it up somewhere, probably on the Good News brand, <laughs> Instagram account, like ways to submit more questions. We're still figuring that out, everybody. We're just rolling along in 2024 here. So, <laughs> <laughs> But today we wanted to talk about prayer. We want to talk about someone who asked the question, how do I improve my relationship with God? Um, through prayer. Through prayer. Which... I mean, it's a you led the witness a little bit by you know, because you could have asked, how do I improve my relationship with God? Question mark. And I think my instinctive first answer would have been through prayer, anyways. Would that have been your number one? It's definitely towards the top. I I, I yeah, think I've never thought about it before yeah. until right the second. I, I think the probably the first thing I would say is come to know Jesus because the Savior reveals the nature of the Father. Yeah. And so if you want a good relationship with God, you have to know what he's like first, right? And you do that by studying the Savior's life, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think then I would say prayer, especially based off of last week's, if you heard just this right. encountering and experiencing God, that he he's the one who opens the door wide open to say, I'm approachable, I'm available, right. come discover who I am. But I, I think it helps to have a, a picture of, we have through Jesus, a picture of who he is and what he's like. We know he's approachable. We know yeah. he's kind and he's good, that he's patient and because of what we see in Jesus and how easily people could approach Jesus. Right. You know, I felt like as a missionary, I would teach people to pray and people would be hesitant. I've even helped, felt the hesitancy in prayer, it, you know, particularly on a day where I was just like, oh, I, that was not my best day. You know, like I'm not super proud of the way that I lived. And I and I felt that temptation to not pray just out of the fact that like, ah, man, oh, it's almost like I don't want to look in the mirror. I feel yeah. like that happens in prayer. You know, like I don't want to, I don't, I just don't want to, you know, but yet I see stories in the New Testament of Jesus welcoming in and engaging people of no matter what their day looks like. And that gives me confidence to approach God yeah. in the same, you know. Absolutely. I, I think when we talk about how to improve our relationship with God through prayer, what you're saying is so perfect because first we have to know who he is and that we would even want to approach him, right? There's another element here too that one of the ways we can tell we're bumping up against reality is when we feel kind of frustrated. And I think it's really important to set proper expectations around prayer. I don't know of anything scripturally that says it's going to be an amazing experience every single time, right? Yeah. And in fact, to hope that might be actually not making it about my relationship with God and making it about the feelings or experience I have through prayer, right. which then becomes, in a sense, my God. That's what I'm looking for is the experience as opposed to just him and talking with him. right? And so I would just say, hey, look, a lot of this is going to be 
Uh, it's going to feel like work. There's going to be moments of just, you know, I'm not feeling much. But over time, we consistently get better and better. And then we have experiences that are deeply satisfying and fulfilling. But what's most important is that we're communicating with God and we're learning from him and talking with him and he's communicating with us. You're going to have a pushback. And God is, is someone who will point out things that are harmful or detrimental to you. And that will not be a comfortable experience necessarily, but it will be a helpful one. Right. And it will be a loving one. Right. Like, I, I don't think you'd walk away from it feeling, you know, you're not going to feel down on yourself. It's I always feel like, how do I distinguish whether this is like the Lord pushing me or instead of my own like insecurities or whatever, is if I come away from it feeling encouraged. Right. Like God's opened up the door to a better way. Right. Like he's not... He didn't like condemn behavior without saying, hey, there's a better way. And there's a, you know, here's your next. And that's so you're okay. Right. Right. Let's, you know, improve and, and move this direction. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's always comfortable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Experience. Okay. So let's get practical. How can someone actually improve the relationship with God through prayer? I think one thing, oh, were you going to say something? No, I just was, I was just thinking when you were talking earlier, I like that there are, you know, some Christian writers and speakers that use the phrase, well, I don't hear it much among LDS people yeah. in our, in our churches and stuff like that and talks, the practice of prayer. Or prayer life. Or prayer life. Right. And I really like those two phrases. I love thinking of it. Oh, this is a spiritual discipline. Right. That the disciples, remember, come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. And you're like, wait, you're good Jewish boys, you know, who for sure grew up praying. You know, I think Jewish people pray more than anybody, <laughs> you know, over meals and prayers and, Shema, you know, yeah. everything. Yeah. And so clearly they knew how to pray. And yet they come to Jesus, I think, because they've seen him pray. This is my assumption. And they say, whoa, we teach us to pray in the way that you do. I like approaching this topic knowing like, oh, this is something I can practice and improve and get better at, that it won't, um, part of it is going to be very natural. The Bible dictionary says, once we know who God is, that he's our father and we're his children, it becomes more natural to pray when we understand the relationship that we have with each other. So part of it is going to be super natural and comfortable, but another part of it is going to be a practiced thing, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. So I think practically one of the things that I might consider right away is I might consider how does scripture and living prophets, how do they model prayer? Yeah. And one of the things that you see them do, and this is something that I feel very strongly about, and this just flows naturally out of the good news that God is good and he sent his son to die for us, is this idea of our prayers should be filled with worship and praise, yeah. which is something that Latter-day Saints we're still, we, uh, I think in some ways we could learn how to do better just culturally speaking, right? Doctrinally, it's all there. It's in our scripture, right? And our relationship with God is unique. We don't have a relationship like that with anyone else. He's the only being that it is appropriate to worship and praise in that way. Mm. And my relationship with someone is determined by the way I interact with them. So if I go to God just for good advice, He's just a good teacher, or yeah. maybe he has some tips. If I just want stuff from him, he's just, like uh, Elder Christofferson says, he's just a divine vending machine, right? But if I worship him and praise him in my prayers, then he starts to become my God. 
I think the Psalms is one of the best places to learn how to pray. Can I just read you a, a phrase or two from Psalm 103? Dave, listen to how the writer you didn't of the Psalms. Let me say yes or no. Okay, but may, go ahead. Am yeah. I allowed to do this? Yes, you may. Okay, uh, David exhorts the saints to bless the Lord My for God, his mercy. David. So this is what this is Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. That's worship. That's praise. He's naming his attributes, right? Here's another one. Uh, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's seeing the goodness of God, his forgiveness. And then he actually goes on the metaphor, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We don't have to be flowery. This language is not flowery. It's, it's, it's actually simple but there's a tone of worship and praise. You might be saying, how do I learn this? Look to the Psalms, yeah. look to the hymns, look to the uh, words of living prophets, how they approach God and deity and have a worshipful attitude. And the answer to when the disciples ask, teach us to pray, is where you get the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. And I, there's that phrase that I think about always. Sometimes I even use it as like an opening line, you know, just because it then it gets my mind going where he says, hallowed be thy name. Right. And are we allowed to use the phrases from scriptures from other people? <laughs> like, of course, right? Yeah. And sometimes we think I like, think it's great to, right. it gives me a pattern to like, there, obviously there's some limitations to a recited or a we don't repeated do that. Right. prayer. Yeah. But it sure, like, I mean, everyone learns how to draw by tracing first. I think it's helpful to see the way other people pray. It's like, oh, okay. I learned I strength and nurse from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to stay there necessarily, but it at least gives me like um, a beginning place. Yeah. But when he says that hallowed be thy name, that's, that's a worshipful phrase. It's a word that means to revere and respect the holiness of God, right? And like holiness means that, it's been special, different, unique, and beautiful altogether. And so there is something about entering into prayer saying, there's no one like you, God. And to, I just, I don't know, to rec to recognize that whose presence I'm entering into. I love the practice of a lot of other faith traditions where they will wash their hands or their feet or their mouth before entering into prayer because of that very, mm. they recognize I'm walking into the presence of the holiest being in the universe. And I want to know that and respect that. And yes, I can pray as I drive in my car and, you know, and all of those things. There is another side to that coin that's a, a comfortableness that God says, pray wherever you are, as you are, which is beautiful. But I think it ought to be countered with remembering that you're walking into hallowed ground, that Moses takes off his shoes when he enters into the presence of, of God because he's standing on, you know, holy ground now. And maybe that's why we kneel in prayer, um, not so much as like a, a requirement or a formality, but it's, a, it's like a, a physical gesture that like signals to our heart and mind, wait, remember you're entering into you know, the throne room, essentially, into the presence of God. And he's holy, he's unique, and he's different. Yes, approachable. He's approachable. You could, he's invited you in, but there's something about coming in with that worshipful state of mind and, 
and heart and remembering he is God. I mean, that's that's like humbling and fascinating at the same time. And I think that does something to our prayers to just let let both of those play out with each other. Yeah, absolutely. There's two elements to remember that we pray to God the Father. So he's both our God yeah. and he's our Father. Yeah. And, and we get out of balance when we forget one of those things. In, in connection with, with the Lord's Prayer, the Savior says, give us our daily bread. Hmm. I think another way to really improve our relationship with God is to pray about what's happening that day. Uh. To have a sense of like, if we find ourselves saying the same phrases over and over again, of course, there's always going to be some things you're going to be thankful for. You know, God and his goodness, our families, all of the blessings we've been given. But there are also things that are happening today that we need help with, that we're particularly thankful for. We can talk to him about our scripture study. We can talk to him about things that we might be worried about and concerned about. If I were just to ask everyone listening, in fact, even you, Dave, if, if you were to think of like, what's, what is something that's happened today or yesterday you are particularly grateful for, for, that has happened today or the day before, just think about what's the first thing that comes to your mind, right? That's the kind of thing that adds variety to our prayers. Yeah. And by the and, way, can, can you think of something? Or? Well, yeah. And the interesting thing about you asking that is because I was thinking as you were talking about, there's things that we're always going to be thankful for. You might say them every day because you just you might thankful be for them, thankful right? for yeah. them yeah. like each and every day that you have them like you real because I'm not trying to be cheesy or cliche or anything in saying this but like today I'm particularly grateful for Jenny mm-hmm. and I just like had like a renewed sense of that and I even like just this morning like just prayed that that it just was a like, and it was true yesterday and it was true the day before right. and it was true. The, and I would, and I'll say it every single day because it's true every single day, but it was particularly meaningful and it was sweet and because it was so sincere, it was particularly sincere, you know, in praying that today. And so, and it's something that, you know, that is, you just like, sometimes like, like you look at your backyard every single day and you're just like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's that ugly tree. <laughs> but then some days you like look at it and you're just like. Look where I look where I live. Look at the life that I have. Like what the heck? Right. You know, and we you, don't deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> and you pass by it every single day. But some days it just like there's something that sparks in you, the you know? And then when you thank God for it, you seem to be thanking him in just like a renewed. I don't know. And it's yeah. it feels connecting. It feels like I feel God smile on those occasions. Yeah. And I thank him for something that like that is really just captured my heart on that particular day. Yeah. But I think there's also, uh, in connection with the word, the discipline of prayer, I think it's wise maybe to have a flexible structure to prayer. Mm. And what I mean by that is maybe you start off by worship, then you move to gratitude, then you move to praying for others, then you move to praying about the day, then you move to praying about, you know what I mean? And just, I don't want to be too prescriptive, but in our Latter-day Saint tradition, we kind of have an unspoken structure And what we see through the examples of living prophets and ancient prophets and Jesus himself is that there's more we can do in prayer than just thank God for things and ask him for more things, right? Those are essential elements of prayer. But there's worship and there's praying for others Mm -hmm. and there's praying about the day and or whatever it is, right? There's praying our concerns, praying our fears, praying the things and naming the things we're deeply worried about. And maybe we kind of have a structure where we say, okay, generally speaking, I kind of follow this flow. But again, anytime you're too prescriptive, that might also 
you know, hurt sort of a dynamic element. But right. on the other hand, if you don't have some kind of structure, you might just feel like you're meandering right. as well. Right, you know? right. Well, like you were saying, I think there's just some elements that ought to be in our heart as we pray. Like we're, you, when you mentioned that he's God and our father at the same time, and it just kind of puts your heart in proper posture for prayers when you are, hold on, let me remember who he is. That's going to lead me to be careful in the proper sense of that word in what I pray for and what, and how I'm, how I'm speaking and, and approaching. But I love the idea of being, sometimes people will ask, oh, I ask for things if God already knows that I want it. Mm. And it, you know, sometimes we're like, God's going to do what he wants to do anyways. Some people believe that, which I don't think is necessarily true. I think God waits for us to ask for things to do some things. And I think he takes into consideration our petitions. Like it would be a weird relationship. It would just be a, a show, a, a play. Right. But we are actually engaging with God in heaven who listens and considers. And there is something to asking because it puts us in a, it's really vulnerable to ask for something. Yeah. To know that the answer might be no. But to put it out there that, oh, I, I really want this. And if I shouldn't want it, help me like tutor my desires. Then there's just something about laying out like what I want, knowing I might, might not be right for me or yeah. for the world for me to have it. And I just, that's why I think that beginning with worship is so important because it, it puts us in position to remember who it is we're talking to, that he knows all, that he can do all, uh, that he loves in a way we don't understand. And and that's, I think, really powerful. And I think we should ask because we're showing him. We're just laying out, like you were saying, you lay out your desires and you lay out your fears. And yeah, yeah what a thrill. It's, it just seems like prayer it's we shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to pray is what i think sometimes like i i shouldn't god shouldn't be this good and he is god shouldn't be this welcoming and he is god shouldn't be this patient and he is and and prayer just a man helps us learn that he is and experience that he is and it's it's uh it's like the most powerful one of the most powerful things that happen in this world, I think. And it's also something that we teach our five-year-olds to do. Yeah. It's so simple and powerful at the same time that it's ah, something, it's so thrilling. One of the things that I think is essential to prayer is to make our prayers Christ-centered. In Alma 31, we get the example of a, of a bad prayer with the Zoramites, right? Yeah. Of a prayer that kind of misses it. And, but then on the other half of that, we get a, the example of a good prayer. And, I, and I'm and i pretty sure Mormon, if I were to guess, put those two prayers next to each other so we would contrast them. And just listen to this theme. I won't read the whole thing. But he says, Alma says phrases like, Oh Lord, my heart is exceedingly sorrowful. Wilt thou comfort my soul in Christ? Later he says, Oh Lord, yea, wilt thou comfort their souls in Christ? Verse 34 of Alma 31. Oh Lord, wilt thou grant unto us that we may have success in bringing them again unto thee in Christ? And then finally, verse 38, and the Lord provided for them that they should hunger not, neither should they thirst. Yea, he also gave them strength that they should suffer no manner of afflictions, save it were swallowed up in the joy of Christ. 
And so we thank God for the Savior. We pray that we can be connected to the Father through the Son. We're thankful that we're redeemed and justified in Christ. And we're thankful for the cross in Gethsemane that he gave, the Savior gave his life for us, thus illustrating perfectly what kind of being our Father in heaven is. That seems to me to be at the, at the top of the priority of our prayers is to make them Christ-centered and pray to live out a Christian lifestyle, right. to live like Christ as well. Right, right. And like we started with, just that idea that who we believe he is will impact our prayers more than anything else. Yeah. And Jesus came to show us who, who he is. And also Jesus came to show us how to live a life of prayer. I mean, you think of Jesus prays through his entire life. Uh, throughout his whole like ministry. Every, his yep. very last words are prayer. His mm -hmm. very beginning words are, you know, they're just, right. just, you see that he prays through his life. And it's a way that we get to live our day to day in companionship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like, don't, you don't have to live in this world alone. It's dangerous. It's hard. You'll need things. You'll, you'll want things you shouldn't want. You'll have lust. You'll have desire. I can, you know, and just like live daily bread, like live in companionship with us your entire life. And prayer seems to be one of the central and most powerful ways to do that. When he says, our father, which art in heaven, some, the, another way to translate that is our father who lives hmm. in heaven. In heaven can either mean like, you know, the clouds, or it could just mean the other, I learned a Greek word for that means the air. Hmm. There's just like our father who lives, he lives um, here, air, air is everywhere. And what a great way to live a, a prayer life is to just know he's a, a living, moving God. He's here involved in all of our lives and directing the affairs of this world and correcting and changing. And that's just like, I think prayer helps that to become a reality, helps us to get out of our Tim Keller said uh, once to leave your dream space and yeah. enter into reality. reality. Yeah, prayer is waking up from the dream uh, state that we're in. It's, yeah. it's stepping into what's real. Yeah, and stepping into, what's the other phrase? The happiness of God. Mm -hmm. That's what he says once. That's so cute. <laughs> I love that so much. And that's so, it's so reviving that you, that we get to live. Amen. That kind of life. All right, we'll see you next week. 